Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian-American conversations about all things, including the topics you are too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and on today's show, we have an interesting conversation lined up about body shaming. So body shaming is defined as the action or practice of humiliating someone by making mockery or critical comments about their body shape or size. Now, just some statistics for you to know about. Negative body image can cause so many negative outcomes like depression and anxiety, increased risks of suicidal thoughts, alcohol and drug use and abuse, and so much more. Now, research has shown that about 50% of young American girls reported being unhappy with their bodies. And this number unfortunately grows to nearly 80% as they become young adults. For men, it's a little different. Research conducted shows that uh, around the U.S. that 25% of male slash adolescent children uh, were concerned about their masculinity, their muscularity, and their leanness as they get older. But you know what's funny is a lot of men don't really talk about it. So I'm curious if that number is actually a lot more than it's than the statistics show. Well, today's guest knows firsthand about body shaming. So I would like you to welcome Jake Solarzano to the show. How are you doing, Jake? Hi, everyone. I'm great, Hula. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining the show today. I feel like this is something really important to talk about because, you know, when I bring up body shaming, a lot of people are like, of course, you're going to have women on the show talking about how, you know, they deal with body shaming all the time. But it's interesting that we actually have a male on the show today and you firsthand know about body shaming, right? Yes, yes, I do. I've been through it my whole life. Um, recently just went through an experience that really made me think about body image again in a a new light, but I'm here to talk about it with everyone who is listening. Awesome. And I appreciate your your candidness today and and your bravery. So let's just start first and foremost. Tell me about where you grew up. Tell me about yourself. I am a Filipino American born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm 21 years old currently, but in three days, I'm going to be 22. Um, I go to school at UCSD majoring in communications and business. And I'm super excited to talk about this issue because I think it needs a lot of exposure. So, okay. You grew up Filipino. Now, can you let us know, were you like, was your parents from the Philippines and, you know, spoke Tagalog or spoke, you know, other uh, dialects in the Filipino culture? Yeah. So my parents and my whole family, they're fresh off the boat. They moved here (laughs) about 30 years ago and they placed all those values onto me. And just growing up, I had a combat against the, um, I had a combat with my parents' view of how I should be versus how I wanted to be growing up in Los Angeles. I had multiple factors against me. So tell me, what did your parents actually do? Growing up, actually, I, I used to be a big kid myself. Throughout my teenage years, I was 200 pounds. And of course, Asian parents, Asian mothers specifically, it's no... It's, it's not hard for them to make comments. And all you can really do is just nod and agree. We don't want to disrespect and we can't really fight them on it. So it started off with my mother. Then 
it started off with my family. Um, they expected me to be a sort of way as a male. I wasn't really meeting those expectations. So of course I had to deal with the commentary from them at large family gatherings. It's every Filipino meets for every event possible. So you have to hear that at every <laughs> event. And it, take, it ends up taking a toll on your mental health. It takes a toll on your self-esteem because if your family, the one who's there to support and be there for you. If they can't be there for you, then you feel like you really have no one in this world to be there for you. I agree with you, honestly. And, and it's, it sucks to say this because, you know, honestly, I love my family. I love them, you know, near and dear to them. And, but I mean, I've had aunt, aunts and uncles, as you know, you know, we'll see you that have maybe haven't seen you in like months and they'll touch your belly and be like, I about soy or I what's happening. You're, you're eating a lot. You know, it's those little comments that, mm -hmm. that really mess with your mind because you're like, look, I'm just trying to eat. I'm just trying to be a normal person. And you're the one that's kind of causing this mental game in my head to, I mean, is that the experience you had? Yeah. And then we have to pair that with like social media was just coming out. I'm comparing myself to other people. People are trying to make their bodies the best as possible during their teenage years by comparing through other people. And I'm just trying to navigate my own life through with the Asian stigma, social media, the pressure already from school of how my body should be. And then as a male myself, like it's just not common. It wasn't common for me to talk about like oh, I feel like I don't feel adequate as a male and my body image. Like, no, you don't, like, it's not as, you're as men, we're not as vulnerable about our body image, you know? Right, right. No, absolutely. You just, you don't talk about that stuff. You know, you got to quote unquote man up and not worry about your body image. But mm -hmm. did it affect you negatively in the sense of like, did you turn into drugs? Did you, you did you watch what you eat? Did you develop um, some sort of eating disorder? Like, you know, share with us what, how did it affect you? It really affected me when I got out of high school. When I got out of high school, I realized, okay, I need to make some changes for my body. But of course, from years of like all the factors that I listed before, it took a toll on me and it, it did affect me. I was, I went into a calorie deficit, but it ended up mm. turning into a basically eating disorder. I was only eating 800 calories a day. I was a 6'2 male at 250 pounds. So just eating, like I, I forced myself to eat one meal a day. I forced myself, like there's wow. no other way you can do this. You need to, you need to eat one meal a day. You can't stay fat. You have to make everyone happy. That's basic. That was my thought process. The years of being weighed down on the expectations placed on me, it led to that moment. And I did end up losing all the weight, but at what cost? I felt I, I was still in the same place of feeling inadequate at all times. And no matter how much weight I lost, I never really like, I never really felt as good as I should be because I was just taught that I was never good enough. So why, why would I, why would I be good enough if I did lose the weight in the first place? Right. You, you didn't tackle the number one thing, which was your mental happiness. You exactly. were just trying to put a bandaid on the fact that everybody wanted you to look a certain way because you were gaining so much weight and all that stuff. So, you know, your story continue, continues on because I mean, off the air, you told me, um, I mean, you're, you're going to be 22, uh, coming up in a couple of days, but what happened to you when you were 20? So when I was 20, um, 
goes very deep. But when I was 20, I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer, the youngest ever recorded male breast cancer case. And we found it through a plastic surgery, um, going through high school, going through middle school. I, and as I said before, I was never really, I never really felt adequate. So I, I did turn to surgery after dealing with the anorexia, after dealing with all the other experiences. Wow. I decided to turn to plastic surgery. Um, I don't regret that experience because I love myself more because I realize now that I'm happy I did it. But before that was what I had to turn to, to make myself feel like more adequate. I got the plastic surgery on my chest because I did have man boobs as Mm -hmm. a derogatory word, a a derogatory um, way to put it. But um, they did find breast cancer through it. And this just put a whole, this opened a whole new bag of worms. I thought I finally could feel confident in myself through this surgery. I thought I could start finally wearing the clothes I wanted to wear. I thought I could make everyone happy, but of course, like I I went through this experience and it took self-esteem and body image to a different level for me. Right, right, absolutely. It does definitely take it to a different level. And I think it's a lot different for, you know, women versus men. I know there's a lot more, women that focus on it but i think privately a lot more men like i mentioned earlier just they probably go through it but they just don't bring it up because of the fact that it's not manly enough to talk about your body mm-hmm. that's not something you do right i mean do you feel that same way i like throughout high school i never really felt like i could tell my mom about like how i felt about my weight i could i don't really talk to my friends about that like that so when this issue came up like someone who has not been vulnerable about my body for for the first 20 years of my life how how am I even going to begin to navigate breast cancer like which literally is my body how am I going to talk about this with my family how am I going to navigate this situation when for years I'd never talked about my body this I knew this was going to be like a really hard thing for me because I don't know it's just something that I wasn't used to especially in Asian families it wasn't it was a stigma that we just like, we just, it, it was just that it was a stigma that we had to already have these values in place. And now I have breast cancer. This is, this is uncharted territory in Asian culture for a male. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And we'll definitely, I, I want to deep dive more into the, the situation you had with your breast cancer. Well, let, let's just like, let's just already spoil it for everybody. As far as your cancer, how is all of that going? It's perfectly fine. I threw out all the trials and experiences that I, I put myself through in order to avoid everything. I got through it, thankfully. And in the end, my family did end up helping me out, but it took a lot of work and I have been in remission for six months. Awesome. Congratulations. That's huge. That's that's tremendous. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I myself have had family members who have gone through having breast cancer. And then during that time frame, it just happened in my family, like boom, boom, boom. And then my mom was uh, diagnosed with uterine cancer. And, and so, yeah, and, and, and you're right. Asian communities, they don't talk about that. It's not something that, th- that we, we talk about. You don't air the fact that your family members are sick, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely dive into that. I, I want to talk more, but 
getting back to the, the whole body shaming and, you know, I, I can relate with you because growing up, I was the oldest and I, I didn't, I'm a lot older than you. So luckily enough for me, I didn't have to deal with social media, which I know is a challenge in itself, but growing up, I compared myself to other guys. And in junior high, as these guys were developing and they were getting deeper voices and they were gaining muscles. And I was looking at myself going, why am I still fat? Why do I have the man boobs? Which I, I used comedy as a more of a defense mechanism for me. And so I, instead of calling them man boobs, I would say my moobs, you know, a combination of man boobs. Uh, I, I call them my movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a way for me to deflect a lot of the people staring at me. But even like junior high, we had to take showers in front of guys and I would cover, like I'm a chubby guy. Instead of covering my privates, you know, cause that's a weird thing to be showing when you're in junior high. I covered my man boobs because I didn't want people to be like, oh my God, look at that boy. He's got boobs. You know, that that's, and while everybody else is like covering their junk, I was doing the opposite and covering my, my man boobs. And so I get it. Like, you know, body shaming, it's, it's tough. And it's something I never really talked about myself. And it went, it made me go through a spiral of, of tons of dieting up and down, even to this day, I'm still dieting and I've, you know, lost a ton of weight, but yeah. How did you deal with all of that body shaming? Like, did you have people like actually in front of your face or behind your back, like calling you out? The only people who really called me out in life were just the, I never really experienced any negative comments from my friends. I think it was just kind of knowledge during that time. Bullying was starting to not manifest itself as much in school. It was still prominent, but it was, it was, it was different for me. I feel, I feel like I'm a little biased towards this topic because I did grow up very tall and Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have to deal with as much as other people did in my grade who also struggled with weight issues. But, um, but I definitely feel that, um, it, in the end, I, I suppressed, I suppressed all those emotions and it, it did unfortunately manifest itself during my weight loss journey, during the calorie deficit. I think everything came out when I started like losing the weight and it, it showed itself in anorexia, eating disorders, self, it never really showed itself when it was present at the time, you know? Right. So then now let's, let's move forward then, you know, as you are still dealing with your mental state of mind, as far as the body shaming is concerned, and then you go to plastic surgery, that's where you turn towards and you discover that you have breast cancer. Like, like, how did that happen? Did the doctors go, oh my gosh, we've discovered something while we were, like, how did that all happen? I actually went in for um, gynecomastia surgery. That's the, that's the um, technical term for man boobs, moves. I went in there, I got the surgery. After that, um, they decided to um, send the tissues to the laboratory. And it's actually pretty like scary and funny at the same time, I guess they weren't going to send the tissue at all because they were like, it's not going to happen. Like the statistics of it are so like very low that anything would be there. So, but as a routine, they will send the tissue to um, a medical lab to just examine it. And lo and behold, the result came from the pathology report and it 
it was something that they've never seen before. I My tissue was sent out to pathologists all over the world. They did not know what was going on. And what was so significant about it was that it was on both sides of my um, breast. Wow. One. So there was nothing they could pinpoint it to. And they just said it was one in seven billion. Wow. So there was no one in your family. There was no prior history of breast cancer in your family. Um, we had one breast cancer case, but it was, it was not genetic. It was, it was, um, it was from smoking. Is, is the whole, like, are you still, while you're dealing with treatments and going through all of that, are you still contemplating as far as like, oh my gosh, your body, like, was that even an issue? But my body was the first issue. I just got a plastic surgery for my gynecomastia. I was, I was happy with how it looked at the time. And so when I, so when that happened, um, I was like, we need to tackle this issue body first, cancer second. That is how, really. that is how, like, that is how molded my mind is to care about my body image first. And because knowing how much I've been through, knowing how much weight I lost, knowing how much work that I put in my body, I was going to consider that first going into any treatments that they needed to consider for this surgery, because I did not, I did, I don't want to start off my foot in life by not feeling confident in every way imaginable. So I did, um, I did plan a second plastic surgery during the mastectomy to remove the cancer. So that was something that was, that was required for me. I needed that to be done. Oh my gosh. So Mm -hmm. you, your first thing out the gate was, okay, I just want, you're worried more about your physical looks than you were about the cancer. Yes. That was my first concern. I, Honestly, I could not, I did not care about the cancer at the time. I was, I was scared of how my body would look. I was scared that every negative thought that you could imagine ran through my head when I heard that I had to get a mastectomy. I was, I, I could not even fathom like to begin to process my emotions. All I knew was I need to protect my body image. I need to protect my self-confidence. I cannot go through another rut of just hating myself, just self-destructive behaviors. I could not do that again. Did you, have you realized like that was not a a good way to think? I mean, did you get help? Did you like, talk me through this. Do you still feel like physical is more important than your health? I know it's only been six months and I know like it's been six months since I've had the surgery. Um, they did implants in, but, um, just looking, looking back at it all, like, I, I realized the the first reason why I lost weight in high school was because I wanted to do it for myself. I realized that like I'm not going to let I'm not going to let everyone else's expectations of me like like looking back at it. I wanted I told myself that this is why I lost weight. I lost weight for myself and not because of what everyone else thought about me. I lost weight because mm-hmm. I wanted it for myself. And now I realize like looking back on the surgery, I did the surgery like considering myself first I I like and that's what helped me get through everything like most of all because it taught me self-love it taught me that like putting yourself first loving yourself first is the reason why I got through these experiences and I now realize because of it I'm a stronger person than ever like going through cancer at this age it's just like I didn't 
at the time I didn't want it to have an impact on my life. I wanted to forget about it. And now looking back on it, I like, I look back on all the negative experiences on my life and realize that like, I did this for myself to better myself, to take care of myself. Whereas before in this, in the moment, I would think about um, make everyone else happy, but no, in like in hindsight, I did think about myself throughout all of it. And it taught me self-love in return and now I'm happier than ever and I'm more confident than ever actually right now. Okay, good. Okay. So the, I mean, obviously, obviously it's, you know, when it comes to weight, we're all, you know, there's a lot of people that deal with it and it, and it takes time. Um, you, you, and that's the most important thing I want to underline with you is definitely you got to love yourself, you know, as, as uh, RuPaul would say, you got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's definitely important. Um, you know, for me, I, I I've gone through the dieting, I've gone ups and downs, you know, I, I 10 years ago, I was, at my best shape, I was, you know, one below 100s and what they call the wonderland. And then having kids, having a family, being married, dealing with life, I gained close to 100 pounds and was almost to the the most heaviest I had ever been in my life. And and I, you know, I learned very quickly that it's not about other people and what they perceive you as. It's about you perceiving you, and mm-hmm. it's about you loving yourself and you you know, taking care of yourself, like you said, and I'm glad you, you kind of, you got that, um, and keep, you know, we still have to keep reminding ourselves because it's really important because for me, I've lost the weight again. And, and this time around, I did it in a way that was very healthy for myself and, and making sure that it was because I wanted to do it, not because everybody else was shaming me to do it. You know what I mean? And, and just like, of course, we all go through our ups and downs. Of course, like right now, I'm feeling just quite confident in myself, just talking about it, just like doing things like these, talking about it to everyone else. It's empowering to me. But yes, there are my days where I go into a downward spiral and I just think about everything that's occurred to me. And I think, why me? I think, why did this happen to me? And, um, but then it's just, it's just remembering to be grateful, remembering that in the end, like no matter through all the stigmatization, through the family, through societal expectations in the end that you're going to have yourself ultimately, and you're going to be the one to make yourself happy. And just the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive your thoughts is just as important to me, just being honest. Like before I was honest with other people, I, I had to be honest with myself. Like right before I got the surgery, actually the mastectomy and the um, the plastic surgery with it. I actually got implants, but um, mm-hmm. getting the implants for this surgery, I had to deal with the stigmatization from my family all over again from the plastic surgery because they were like, why are you getting implants? Why, like, this, is the, this isn't normal. Um, I received all of it from my family, uh. going through cancer, going through all of that. So in the end, I just had to realize that like, you know what, in the end, I'm going to make myself happy. I, I love my family, but I can't always please everyone. And I got to start doing things for my own. I, I just had to, and I told the doctor, I was like, I'm going, no matter what anyone says, I'm going to do this plastic surgery. My happiness comes first. And I am tired of fitting everyone's expectations for how I should do things and how I need to process my emotions, how I need to process my actions. Good. I'm glad you said that because I, I, you know, I don't feel like a lot of young people, especially in the Asian American community, Pacific Islander community, 
get that right away. You know, for me, I had to deal with my family constantly, even, even leading up to it, being an adult, a full grown adult, having kids, you know, and gaining weight. And, you know, I, I still deal with it. I still deal with, you know, now that I've lost this weight, I will post new pictures and I will have family members who I haven't seen in a long time, see my pictures. And instead of commenting, Hey, you look great. Or, Hey, you got a new haircut. They will still to this day comment, Oh, wow. You lost a lot of weight. I can now see your face, Mm -hmm. which is those backhanded compliments that you, you know, a lot of Asian Americans know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and you're right. It, it, I had to learn later in life that it's not about them. Their words are just words and I'm not going to give them power, but I'm glad you as, as you know, being younger now are able to hear and see that, um, that it's not about them. It's about being happy with yourself. So with that being said, are you, you know, are are you, do you feel like you're at your ideal weight? I mean, how do you perceive yourself now? Well, recently I have been um, lifting weights that that is something that actually helped me through a lot because I realized that with lifting weights, you need to alter multiple aspects of your life just so you can grow in muscle. And I realized that I from that, I realized that I am actually the one who was going to lead this body where I want it to lead to. And just by having control of every aspect of my life, it helped me to realize that I am in control actually. And I, and no one's expectations are going to get me where I need to be. I'm going to get where I need to be independently. So now I perceive myself as in control of my body, in control of the events around me, just so I can be confident in myself and grow into who I want to be. So weightlifting was actually a pretty helpful resource for me because it just, it, it helped me realize all of that. Like I need to be in control of diet, I need to be in control of my time management and all of that. And it helped me to realize my independence and like not think about other people's thoughts in the process of anything. Like I'm going to take everything at my own pace and do it how I want to do it. Good. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what other people think or say it's Mm -hmm. all about controlling how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, that I'm glad to hear that, that you're getting in more involved in that. And, and, you know, yeah, social media, like you brought up earlier is is such a, a, it's a, it's a, what I call a guilty, not a guilty pleasure, more of a, a, a necessary evil Sometimes you see images on there that are just unrealistic and you compare yourself and you, you, like you say, you have to love yourself first and not worry about what other people look like. So anybody who's going through what you've gone through uh, in your life, is there any advice that you want to share with those people that are dealing with their, you know, they're young and they are dealing with social media and dealing with, you know, body shaming from their family members? What would you like to say to those people? Yeah, so... What I learned from like my breast cancer experiences, body image issues, stigma, Asian stigma, and just like just how men are in general and their vulnerability and people within my age group, especially, um, it's that your labels are not who are not what define you. And like I tell myself, I am not only just Jake. I I'm not just Jake, the one that used to be fat, the one who had breast cancer, the one who was Asian. I'm just more than all of this. And I am, I am everything that I want to be and even more. And 
And you just need to realize that you don't need to change for others. You need to change for yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Turn these sad experiences into lessons rather than a sad story to tell. And you need to seek out support and be vulnerable with your emotions. You are just as valid and you just need to take care of yourself from the inside out. Um, throughout, when I was going through my breast cancer journey, it was especially hard for me to put these lessons into actions because when I did have breast cancer, I would look for, I would look for other people who were going through the same experience as me. And being the youngest person recorded with male breast cancer, you just can't look online and you can't just find out what, what should I do? Like, and especially with that situation, it made me realize that like everyone, like everyone needs a support system. Everyone needs to be vulnerable before they head down into a downward spiral into not expressing your emotions specifically for men, even in the Asian culture, you need to be comfortable with tackling issues. You need to be, you need to have a support system. And I, and through my breast cancer experience, I realized that like, I, this is, that's, if I had that, I feel the experience would have been a lot more better. And that's what I want to tell every youth, every Asian, every male specifically, start being honest with yourself, starting to start taking care of yourself. You need to, to be able to grow and get better. You need to start being vulnerable with everyone and you need to start being honest with yourself because before things can get too bad, it's going to be too late already. And I'm glad that mine was guided in some sort of way and my parents were more understanding, but just realize that you are your own person so you can start to grow from this. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. And, and I, I hope you continue growing and you continue, you know, knowing that you are good enough. I'm glad you brought it up today. I'm, I'm, I appreciate your honesty and your candid today, Jake. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you. And again, um, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, if you want to learn more about Jake Solarzano and today's show, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. You can also subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But until next time, I'm Hula Ramos. And on behalf of my guest, Jake Solorzano, we'd like to thank you for listening. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. Take care, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>